for just about everything for the outdoors, go to MidwayUSA.com. Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. All right, I am blue. You are bright and shiny in my mind. Welcome to the Fall Podcast, where the focus is on deer hunting, tips, tricks, tactics, and stories from across the Midwest. And now, here is your host, Aaron Blicey. Welcome to the Fall Podcast. I am your host, Aaron Blicey, and this is episode number 45. It's colder than crap here in Michigan. Justin, how was the weather over in Iowa? Uh, it's pretty white today. It snowed all day, turned into some freezing rain uh, early afternoon, and then the wind just picked up and everything's kind of icing over, I think. The snow stopped, but one of those things where I think if I don't look at it, it might not be as bad. So uh, I plowed the driveway one time, and I came inside and never looked back out. I'm <laughs> <laughs> um, the same way, man. It is. We've got like a sheet of ice as a base layer, and then... It snowed a couple inches last night, and then we've got 12 to 15 inches going to start here shortly tonight, Jeez. and it, we're going to get hammered this week. And I'm like, all I want to do, all I want to do is I want the snow to melt a little bit so I can get out and walk and try to find some sheds and get my dog out, and I want to go check some cameras. But I guess on a positive note, it is keeping me from going on my farm right now because I just keep saying it every week. I don't want to pressure the deer. I don't want to run them off. And, you know, it's colder and crap out there. I know they can survive in it. I know they're meant to live in it. But it's like just hunker down and all the hinge cutting that I made for you and just stay there. There's food there. There's water there. Just don't move. <laughs> and yep. drop yeah. your sheds right there. Yeah, let them, Let me know you're okay. Just leave, yeah. leave me a sign. Exactly. I don't know. It's snow's a drag. The winter's a drag sometimes. And it just keeps dragging on and on and on but i guess it on the positive side is we get to do these podcasts in the warm warm comforts of our own homes and today we got another good one and it is yep. your your uh your intern i guess i'm going to call him cooper long yeah he is he's he's been living with me for six months um i actually met cooper about five years ago now when i first got started as a freelancer um he was part of a group of guys who hired me out of Wisconsin and um, a series of unfortunate events with with one of the guys in that group that uh, taught me my my very first most valuable lesson <laughs> in, in in this business but uh, you know I was able to maintain a friendship with Cooper and his family his, his mom and dad and sister and 
uh, you know, the other guys that were involved with that hunt. But, um, you know, they they invited me out every year since then to hunt. And uh, so Cooper and I have been hunting together for five years now. And he's, he's on his way out of college now with a recreation and tourism degree. And all he needed was an internship to graduate. And I said, man, why don't you just apply for hours? It's a six-month deal. You know, you, you're all done with class, so, you know, couldn't hurt. And uh, lo and behold, he, he got offered a position. He moved out here to Iowa. He was living the camper life with me for a while until my wife moved out. We bought our house, and now he's got his own room, his own bathroom, and he's washing his clothes in the basement. So uh, <laughs> it's been cool to see him come up because of how I met him, you know, when I did. And, uh, you know, he was the hunter. I was the cameraman. I was I was greener than a gourd. And now it's kind of come full circle to where I've been able to teach him, you know, kind of the way that you started teaching me back in 2013, I guess it was. It's just a really cool story, I think. And it's something that I, I think so many people have questions about is, you know, how do you get started or what was your first shot or everybody needs that first shot. So it's just cool right. to have it be somebody that I know who is a great hunter. And I mean, you just talked about sheds. He has found, he's already found two match sets and him and I walked public land last weekend with another coworker of ours. He found one out there. I think we did almost seven miles that day. And then he went back to Wisconsin over the weekend and found, like I said, two more match sets and two that were just, you know, one horns, but I mean, he's a freaking coon dog when it comes to sniffing out these antlers. You just see the drive and the passion he's got for, for hunting across the whole spectrum. And to see him pick up a camera and say, this is what I want to do. It's just it's just cool to see that fire in somebody else. And, you know, we're there to help him along the way and get it figured out. You know, and what the cool thing about him is that, you know, he's never picked up a camera before this. You know, coming into this internship, you, you taught him basically everything, you know, on the side. And... You know, he's coming into this internship, and, and what you've told me of him is, he, yep. like you said, he's a hard worker. You know, he's going to do anything to be successful at it, and that's just what it takes in this industry, too. I mean, yep. you don't really need a degree. I mean, there's a lot of guys that don't have degrees in video productions. You're one of them. We've got uh, uh, two other guys on on our staff that don't have them and two guys that do have them, and it's yep. like it's just about your drive and determination and, you know, just doing it, repetition. They always say in sports, you know, repetition, repetition, repetition. It's the same way here, and it's just seeing different things and being able to and being able to see things before they happen, honestly. Try to be one step ahead, and, and you'll be successful for sure. And, you know, I'm excited to get him on the phone, and, you know, I've heard you talk about him a lot, and I say we do that. Let's uh, let's kick it over to this phone conversation we had with him and, and go from there, man. Yeah, let's, let's run it. But before we get to that, if any of you guys are in the market for new cables and strings, look no further than America's Best Bowstrings. And if you want more information on them, go to americasbestbowstrings.com and tell them the guys from the Fall Podcast sent you. Also, if you guys are looking to tune in to drop tonight, Monday, February the 18th, dropped is on the outdoor channel at 7 30 p.m eastern time so go on there and tune into episode three it's a really cool episode and the season's just getting started i love reliving it because you know i got to live out there with those guys for 30 days and lee and i got to to produce the whole show so it was a really cool experience so go on there tonight 7 30 p.m eastern time and uh tune in hopefully you guys will like it all right, on the other line, we have Cooper Long with us today. Cooper, how you doing, man? I'm really good, man. How about yourself? 
Doing good. I'm uh, I'm doing all right, I guess. I, I'm a little lackluster right now. I'm having surgery tomorrow on my hand, and those locust trees out there, you know, when you're checking trail cams and you decide to fall into one, I guess, and you get one down in your hand and it's been in there for six months, I guess it's probably time to get out, get it out. <laughs> yeah, I'd say out. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, uh, you know, we, Justin and I wanted to get you on the podcast today and, you know, you've been Justin's roommate for basically the last six months because you've been interning at Midwest Whitetail and, you know, Justin was telling me you had a pretty good story about how, you know, you started in the this industry and I kind of wanted to get your story out there and you know, because I think it's pretty cool, and so did Justin. So, what do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely, man. It sounds good to me. Yeah. So, before we, you know, get too far, you want to kind of introduce yourself. You know, where you come from, how old you are, and and kind of lead us up to where we're at right now in the present time. Well, I'm uh, 25 years old. Uh, I went to college for recreation and tourism, um, and somehow ended uh, at Midwest Whitetail with a. Uh, internship for the fall, which was a, a blast. So, you know, you're 25, just got out of college. And did you have any sort of idea that you wanted to get into this industry or do any, you know, filming? Did you grow up as a hunter or was this just one of those things that you're like, ah, oh, this is kind of a career path. I'll just go this way. Uh, yeah, man. I mean, I grew up hunting. I mean, I mean, learning from my grandfather and my dad, uh, it was always just a huge passion of mine. And, uh, you know, I always kind of wondered, I was like, oh, I bet that's really cool to, to film those guys hunting. Um, just cause I've had some awesome experiences in the, in the woods, you know, uh, that I kind of wish had been filmed. So once I became aware of this internship, I mean, and obviously knowing Justin, uh, for a few years now, um, I knew I'd learn a lot just coming in, but, um, I guess I didn't know I learned this much. So it's been a, it's been a great time so far. So when you first came into Midwest Whitetail, you know, you didn't have any video experience whatsoever, right? Yeah, that's correct. So you never touched a camera. I mean, you probably played around with a handy cam or something, you know, growing up or, you know, just basically point and record, but nothing to the caliber of like what a television show deals with, right? No, not at all. I mean, just like you said, pick up a camera, uh, push that snapshot quick and take a quick picture. Otherwise, um, nothing... I feel like none of the details needed uh, to produce a good hunt, you know, for the viewers. So, Right. So, I mean, were you, like, super intimidated when you came into Midwest Whitetail with all these people? You know, there were probably some other interns that were with you that probably had studied or, you know, took up videography in college. And you were basically starting from square one. I mean, how did that make you feel? Yeah, man. I mean, I was super intimidated coming into this internship, knowing basically nothing Believing most of these guys had a background in filming, whether it was hunting or, like you said, going to school for it. Um, I definitely knew I had my word out cut out for me, but, uh, you know, I put in some hard hours and long, long days, and you, you can learn real quick. Right. You know, in these times, you know, this day and age, you could go onto YouTube or, you know, online somewhere and you could Google a certain camera and it'll tell you how to run it. It's pretty crazy, you know, and, and, I actually went to college for video production, so I spent my four years in college studying this, but that was also in the age, like right when I was coming through college, the DSLR hadn't taken off at all, really. I mean, I mean, my junior or senior year, you started seeing like the Canon T3Is and the Rebels and stuff like that, and that was like the first, 
you know, DSLR camera that people were really playing around with. So when I came into my internship with Russia Rooster, you know, I had a six month internship it was supposed to be, and they hired me after, I think it was two or three months, but it was, I had to learn from square one with a DSLR camera. And I was fortunate enough to have, you know, they had some Canon 5D Mark IIs at the time. And that's the camera that I learned on. And I learned a lot just coming through my internship. I actually learned a lot more, you know, I'm not saying anything bad about Fair State University because I did learn a lot there. But the more, they didn't teach me about like my field, you know, being in the hunting industry and, and filming hunts. So I learned, that's what I mean. Like I learned more when I was there and about that than I ever learned in the four years there. But that's my thing. Like, throw me into the fire and let me learn, you know, and see how clean I come out on the other side because that's how I learn the best. I mean, you can sit there and talk to me and, and try to teach me till you know, you're blue in the face, but unless I get hands on, that's when I learn the best really. And I don't know, Justin, are you that way too? Yeah. I think that's just a great example because when I first started, I came to the rusted rooster film school. My background is in wildlife science so I had no hands-on technical training or education with a camera or production of any sort. I just started taking pictures and putting videos together for clients that I guided hunts on, which is where I first ended up meeting you down in Texas. But, uh, you know, it's like you're saying, it's, you, if you want to learn how to weld, you join a union. Let them Let somebody who knows what they're doing teach you how to do it. And... I mean, you know, last week we talked with Lindsay and it was like a full circle story. And, you know, you taught me back in the beginning and I'm finally in a position to teach somebody else. And you're the only one who came out of school, you know, in the first place as a baseline education. So it's kind of, you know, student becomes a teacher here and it's been kind of fun. Yeah, it, it honestly has. And it's it's been cool to see, like, you know, you and I met back in 2012 and to to go back and and look at that and and kind of what we did back then. I mean, we were only together for what like ten days, you know, on a hunt. You were our guide on the hunt, and you know, yeah. you and I had we over a lot of beers. We talked <laughs> a lot, went coyote hunting a lot, did a lot yeah. of cool Texas things. That's why I love Texas now. Oh, yeah. But um, you know, coming from there, and then you know, like you said, the rooster school and everything. Like, there's a lot you can learn from another person. To me, like I was saying, you know, to get in those scenarios and to screw up and know not to do that or to succeed also, it's just you have to throw yourself in there and, you know, it's just different scenarios. And when you're in a tree stand with whitetail hunting with a camera, you never know what's going to happen. I mean, you could be, you know, like all three of us, we grew up hunting since we were little, but You know, knowing being on both ends now, being the hunter and then being the producer, it's like there's so many other scenarios that can arise in a tree that you don't get while you're hunting, but when you're being a producer, and you kind of you got to know both. You really do. Yeah, and that's you know that's that's something that makes us valuable, and that's something that I kind of relied on when I was freelancing before I came here, because there's a certain value in knowing that your camera guy is not just a a techie, you know, that can take a good picture. He knows what's going on in the hunt and that you're going to kind of be in sync. And, you know, that was one dynamic that Cooper and I had all year 
here in Iowa because he was filming me on all my public land hunts except for the one I killed. But he, he was he got dispatched down to Mike Reed, and uh, he filmed two really good kills with Mike this year that were in focus, you know, very well exposed and just very well executed for somebody who just got thrown into a tree, like you're saying, trial by fire. Right. And, so, uh, Cooper, you know, your first hunt that you ever went on, what was that hunt? That hunt was uh, definitely terrifying a little bit, uh, thinking going into <laughs> the hunt, you know. I mean, in the off season, you can prepare and, you know, you can learn as much as you, you can obtain at the time. Um, but with that said, I mean, like, you, you know, trial and error, I mean, you know, messing up one day, coming back and watching your footage, um, seeing what you did wrong, you know. Uh, and then correcting that the next day and just learning and capitalizing on, on those minor errors, you know, before it really truly matters when you're in the tree stand for a hunt, you know? Yeah. So was it, it was a whitetail hunt in a, in a tree stand? Yep. Whitetail hunt, public land with Justin. Okay. So was that the night you guys saw the good three-year-old coming across the water? Yeah, actually. And, uh, I seen that three-year-old and I got this thing, uh, when I came to Iowa, I thought every buck was just huge, like completely <laughs> shocked, you know? And, uh, I see this buck across the Creek and I'm like, you know, trying to signal to Justin at the same time without making a huge scene. Um, and while trying to capture that on camera, you know? So, I mean, it was, uh, definitely nerve wracking few minutes until I realized I actually got the shot after. So it all worked out. <laughs> yeah. And it's no matter, no matter where the deer is, it's the first person who sees it. The answer is always right there. It's right there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really bad at that too. It was just a Justin giant. There's a giant right across the river, right there, right there. <laughs> oh my, oh my God. gosh. I don't, I don't see it. Where is it? Right there. And I'm trying to push record, get this deer in focus while signal adjusting, while shaking like a leaf up there, you know, like I was the hunter that day. So it was uh, definitely very nerve-wracking. I mean, yeah, at the same time, looking back at it at now, I mean, it was one of my favorite hunts this year. I mean, not only did I learn a lot, but at the same time, Justin and I had a great hunt together. So it was a very good first outing in Iowa. So, I mean... When you so you had that first set and, and then you got a couple more sets under your belt. Now, were you starting to feel that comfort level, you know, or the stress level, I guess, or the anxiety kind of come down to a more comfortable position where you felt like it was starting to become second nature? You know, everything is like, you know, in the heat of the moment, especially, you know, just like when you're a hunter and you've done it for so long, you know, when that buck is committed it just your instincts take over and you're a killer. Now same thing with a with a camera when that moment, you know, arises, did you start feeling your instincts just kind of taking over and it's like, "Oh, I know how to do this. I've been here before." I yeah. mean, did that ever come come to you? Yeah, absolutely, man. Uh, as far as uh comfort level throughout the season, I mean, it was every day you were hunting in the woods whether you were getting some B-roll going to the hunt for those initial interviews, you know, um or getting the that buck and, and that perfect focus, you know, um, just doing that over and over again. I mean, it just kind of implants that in your brain, you know, as if you were the actual hunter trying to harvest that deer that day. Um, so it, yeah, I mean, the anxiety level definitely, definitely decreases as, as the knowledge, you know, uh, you know, increases. <laughs> yeah. You know, and I've been doing this for seven years now and I still have anxiety on certain things, but you know, and earlier in my career, I got to film 
quite a few different people, but I mean, for the last, well, I guess, I guess six years or so, I've only ever really filmed Casey in a tree and him and I, I mean, it's like, it's like a quarterback and a receiver now. It's like, you know, it's just things that you've picked up. I mean, it's the same way for him as well. It's just things you've picked up over the years that, you know, he's going to do this, you know, you know, we don't even have to talk about it. I remember the first couple of times that Casey and I even hunted, we'd get in a tree and we'd sit there and we'd go through every scenario. Okay. If a deer comes here, what are you doing? And then what are you doing? And it's like, okay, can you film there? Yeah. Can you film here? No, I can't film there, you know? And then we've even got kind of like little, you know, talking, I guess little words that we say, and we just know like what's going on. But now it's like, you know, Casey knows that if I don't say anything, like he knows if we have a deer committed and we're going to, we're going to try to get on this deer and take him. He knows that I'm going to not say a word until I shut him down. If that, if he stops the deer and I say, no, no, then we, you know, we got an issue, but he just, I mean, it's just a rapport that you have that you'll, you'll gain with somebody. And, and it takes a while sometimes to do that, you know, in uh, a couple podcasts ago, Justin was talking about how he thought it was beneficial to have a hunter as a field producer and editor and vice versa. And, and I can't agree anymore. You know, that's a hunter you want in my eyes, you want a hunter, a guy that's hunted and knows hunting to be your field producer or be an editor because it's there's just little things that they pick out little, you know, little detail things that the viewer wants to see that maybe a non hunter wouldn't if that right. makes sense yeah absolutely man i mean that that hunter cameraman dynamic i feel like is one of the most important things to learn i mean granted i got to hunt with justin most of the time and when i wasn't with justin i was with mike reed and uh, so i mean both those guys i mean i mean I, I definitely got to develop that hunter cameraman dynamic i mean especially his hunting as much as we did um you know that that comfort level and and those, like you said, those, uh, those shots that, you know, the viewer would like to see, uh, you know, you got to get that shot. You can't, it just, it doesn't just miraculously happen, you know? Yeah. And it doesn't happen overnight too. It comes with a lot of hard work and, you know, and, and I'm sure it sounds like you've put in the hard work, but it's, it's crazy to me that, you know, that you never have really had a camera in your hand or nothing until you came into this internship. But it's really cool though, because you know, it just shows how much work and effort you've put into it to get to a level where you think you need to be and a level where everybody else, you know, around you wants you to be. And that's just really cool. And that just says a lot about you and, and, and what you're about. Yeah, man. I mean, I would say the most important thing, uh, especially being new to the industry, I mean, you got to be willing to put your nose down and grind. I mean, like you said, there's, there's, uh, resources out there. I mean, fortunately I had Justin in the same house as me. If I had questions, you know, and poor Justin actually had, uh, he had a lot of questions sometimes real late at night, but, uh, <laughs> he was a trooper, helped me out a lot. So I will say that yet. I think you drink more monster than anybody I've ever met in my life. Hey, <laughs> if they're three for five bucks, he's buying six. Hey, I mean, you got to get those hot deals. If you need that extra boost, you know, at midnight to get that blog edited, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> oh, man. Those are going to kill you, man. <laughs> yeah. I'm glad it's off season now. I can I can recover, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, Aaron, one, one thing I'd like to add to that, what you're talking about, is that um, in regards to 
that dynamic, you know, having a hunter on camera and behind the screen at the computer. But Cooper and I have been hunting together for five years before he even decided he wanted to jump into this. So we had a little bit on our side, you know, I had a, a lot of confidence in him when it came to getting in the tree that first day, just not, just having been friends with him for, for five years. And he was actually part of a group of guys that uh, hired me for my very first freelance job five, five years ago now. So I've got, I've got some pretty uh, valuable footage of young Cooper as a, as a little buck, buck squirrel <laughs> tied into a, tied into a tree actually on the same mountain that he just found a, match 160 set to yeah man i mean that was definitely my first hunt wasn't up there i forgot about that it's been a while <laughs> so have you cooper have you been doing any editing as well yeah i mean my knowledge coming into the internship was uh absolute rookie as well um but at this point yeah i am editing some shows i mean whether it was justin's public land blogs or mike reed's blogs um and as well a uh, regional show um uh, with that, I mean, I was given all sorts of footage to make these blogs and, you know, the weekly regional show. So, I mean, I, I definitely had the uh, content there to, you know, learn and try to make as best best I can for the viewers to watch. He actually had kind of the best and the worst of both worlds. He was He was shooting and editing his own footage with me and Mike Reed, but he was also editing the Great Lakes regional show for Midwest Whitetail which was shot by the guys within that region who would submit the footage on WeTransfer. So that's like a that's a double-edged sword as we all know here. It really is. Because and but the best thing that makes you stronger, not just you personally, but anybody that's trying to do this. What makes you stronger is being able to edit your own footage and vice versa shooting the footage that you can edit because when you get it back into the edit bay you're going to be like well shit i didn't get that pan when i need a pan or i didn't get that tight of my eyes or the tight of the release going on the you know on the string or you know it's it really makes you grow quicker i think as a producer and as an editor so that's huge that you got to be able to do that because you get to see the flaws that you had in the tree when you're trying to edit it. And you're like, man, this story just sucks. What do I got to do different to make it better? Or it's like, wow, I, I just I nailed this one out of the park. Or, you know, I'm out of focus or the audio's bad. Like, you're the one, you know, with your head on the chopping block trying to get these videos out in the right, you know, in the timely manner. So that's what's going to help you and help everybody else out there that's trying to do this. And that's when I saw it was really clicking for me. And I mean, it took me a couple of years to really come into start coming in my own as an editor. And honestly, I love to shoot. I, I really do. I love to be out in the field producing a TV show and, you know, being the head guy of it and just kind of take it and, and running with an idea. And especially when you've got like other producers that are like, underneath you and and you're trying to you know you're bouncing ideas off each other and you're trying to make this tv show 13 episode but honestly the last couple of years i've really taken more towards editing because you know i've got a guy underneath, underneath me right now on our brand team kyle that he's gonna be my assistant editor for rival wild and and today actually i was kind of trying to to groom him a little bit and and we you know in four four straight days we were hunting but we had five guys in two different states and, you know, we like to stay in chronological order 
but it's taken those five guys' storylines, if they even mean anything, you know, like one guy's got a storyline that he hasn't even killed a whitetail ever, so he's going after his first whitetail. Chris's storyline, he's going after a mid-170s deer he named Big Sneaky. Casey's is he's in Iowa and he's trying to get on a deer, you know, any particular deer, we're trying to find one and hunt him. And then JB, he's got another storyline. And it's like trying to take those four or five storylines and weave them into one, you know, one storyline in a way, if that makes sense, but really take it over like the next five episodes. And I love doing that. I love making storylines. And in, in my opinion, doing a, vertical hunting show is one of the hardest things you know to produce because you're basically making storylines as you go as well I mean you do have those storylines where you're like you can do some scene work that you know with no deer or with uh you know a dead deer that you've killed but you can't dictate what the deer movement's going to be you can't dictate what you know, mother nature's going to do. So it's trying to adapt with those storylines at the time. I mean, you could have a, a snowstorm blowing out of nowhere. That's a storyline. You know what I mean? So it's, yeah, yeah. you really got to, you really got to find out what the shots were that you need to show your viewer. In one day I had a foot of snow come in. So what are the shots I have to go out and get? And then you got to think like an editor, how's this going to go into the show? So it's really cool dynamic. and I, I just love it. Yeah, man. I mean, like you said, uh, being able to edit your own footage, I think, helped me a ton. I mean, you go that first hunt, and then you watch that over, and you're like, oh, like you said, I missed a pan. Um, but, like, for example, when I filmed Mike this year, he had one target buck, you know, whether it was on trail cams, uh, past encounters. We just we just hoped that buck would, uh, would get into shooting distance. And, I mean, I just had a feeling that it was going to happen. So I was trying to get all those cool shots, you know, leading up to to that day that we potentially might harvest that buck uh just to build that storyline you know and and give the viewers uh more than just the hunt to be interested in you know right yep so what do you see yourself like gravitating towards more do you like the producing side or do you like the the editing side behind the computer like what what a what are you you know are you is it a tie right now you're just kind of learning everything or you know are you gravitating towards one or the other uh, to be honest, I'd say it's kind of a tie right now. I mean, I'd say most days of the week, I, I, I like to sit down and edit. I mean, if you shoot your own footage and you just have a feel to what that hunt is, you, you kind of see that as an editor, you know, when you're in the field, therefore making that job when you come home much easier. Um, so with that, I mean, it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I really do want to improve on both at this point, you know, just because I'm still a rookie, I would say, at this point. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I definitely would like to stay in the industry, uh, whether, you know, it is as a producer or a, a filmer, you know. I mean, as long as I'm in the woods, I'm I'm pretty content. Yeah. Yeah, and, and the best thing, I you know, that I could tell you is just learn as many things as you can because that's just going to make you more – more versatile and more, you know, and, and give you opportunities and other things you can do. Now, one thing I do kind of kick myself in the butt for is I don't know after effects. I know it a little bit, but I don't know it to be like deadly. So I can't really do a lot of graphic work. I can do lower thirds and stuff like that, but after effects and, and like cinema 4d stuff like that, like I just don't have the time right now because I'm either in the fall, I'm in the tree or you know, when I'm not in the tree, like right now in the winter, in the summer, I'm producing the show. I'm editing it. 
through the whole summer and everything. So there's not really a lot of time for me to learn it. And that's just one thing I'm just kind of kicking myself in the butt for not learning before I got in here. But I'm fortunate enough to, to have a guy, we have a graphics guy at work that, you know, you just tell him what you need and what you want and you can kind of mold it together with him. And that's kind of nice. But like, other than that, like when I sit down in an edit bay to put a show together, I do everything except the graphics. So I do sound design, color correction, rough edit, final edit, you know, everything from A to Z, except like I said, graphics. And I love that because, you know, if I ever had a different job where, you know, let's say you go work on like a mainstream show, like a TV show or a movie, you're going to have three or four different editors working on that. And you're going to have different parts that you're going to have to be doing. And, and then you're going to have a sound guy and then you're going to have a graphics guy. So it's like, it's going to touch all these hands. But if you go into that, knowing how to do it all, that just makes you much more valuable. And that's why I'm glad I learned from the beginning at Rusted Rooster. And those guys threw me into the fire and said, Hey, learn all these and take it from there. And, and I'm super happy that I did that. I guess if I had any advice to you, or if you wanted any advice, I would say, you know, try to make yourself as, as versatile as you can and learn as many things as you can. Yeah. I mean, at this point, uh, I have nowhere to go, but up, I mean, just continue to learn and uh, put myself out there, whether it's in the freelance world or whether it's with the media company itself. I mean, at this point, I'm pretty much willing just to, to continue learning and uh, improve on what I already know. I mean, I know there's flaws in like whether it's an edit or in a filming while I'm out hunting, you know, but, uh, I know there's, there's room to grow yet. Right. And there really is. And the thing is, is even me being, you know, doing this for so long, every time I go into the field producing, there's always something that is going on that I haven't ran into yet or a scenario or something or, something you just got to take a step back and think about the whole storyline and how can you twist this? How can you turn this? And where does it have to go? So it's, that's, what's cool about it. It's never, I mean, yes, it is the same. It's the grind every fall, every morning, every night you're hunting or you're, you know, glassing or trying to figure out a deer and, you know, and you kind of get into the mode too. Like where I've been with Casey for so long is him and I are extension or I'm, a, I'm an extension of him. He has my opinion on a lot of hunting things a lot, you know, and, and just wants that second opinion. Like, what, what do you think we should do here? You know, and I love that about it because it kind of, it kind of makes me feel like I'm in the game as well. And then, you know, there's times he helps me produce because him and Chris are, are really good producers as well. I mean, they've been around a lot of productions and a lot of good productions and they know what the, they know the game too. So it, it's pretty cool to, to be able to do that. You don't feel like you're out there alone, I guess you could say. Yeah, you know, Aaron, to that to that point, one thing for me that always is kind of validating with your hunter is when you're rolling that recovery and they say, we, we did it. We killed it. We saw him coming. It's like, it's never me, I, look at me go, you know. it's. I mean, in my experience, it's been, it's always been a team effort. And when your hunter acknowledges that that's the reward for me when I'm running the camera, especially right. when they ask yep. your questions like that. Like, what do you think? Or should we do it? Should we not? Should we go in here? You know what I mean? Just all those, all those things that get you involved. It's just cool. I agree, man. And that's, that's, I respect that about them so much because they don't have to ask my opinion or, you know, you're just filming this, you're just producing this, you just do your job. I'll do mine, but it's not like that. And it's, 
you know, when you're grinding so much and you're gone two months out of the fall, I mean, straight months, I mean, we're gone, like I'm away from my family for a month at a time, just in the fall, then we'll come back for Thanksgiving for a week. And then we go back on the road for another couple of weeks. So it's like, it just makes it easier when you're away too, when you feel like you're in the game and you know, you want to be hunting just as well, you know, you're pulling, you're, you're running the camera, but you know, you see all your buddies knocking down deer and everything. And you want to be at deer camp and, and camaraderie and everything. But you know, it just, it just helps that as well. You know, um, I don't know. So I got, I think I got a question for both you guys and whoever wants to tackle it first, but you know, what do you think is the toughest thing about a whitetail hunt to capture or to, to lay down basically like from start to finish, whether it's, you know, getting out of the truck or, you know, getting to the stand or kill a recovery. What do you think is the toughest part in your eyes? I'll let Cooper take it (laughs) first. (laughs) Yeah. I I think I got this one. Uh, I would say the toughest that I don't know if it's the toughest, but the, the part of the, the show that I'm, most concerned about other than making sure I get that, that kill shot recorded, you know, and in focus. Um, but I would say is, uh, B-roll on your way to your hunt. Uh, for some reason, like, you know, some guys are worried about scent and all that kind of stuff. So you're trying to maintain that scent free atmosphere while not wearing your clothes to the hunt, you know? So there's, I know there's been times with Justin where I'm getting dressed 20 minutes away from the stand and shooting him driving down the road, you know, whether it was, like you said, that there's, it's crazy snow out or, or, uh, you know, just something that, that makes that story. Um, so I would say just capturing the entire hunt while trying to be a hunter at the same time. I can see that. Yep. And I can, you know, kind of how we've combated that, you know, that scenario right there. Cause that's a good point. You know, a lot of people, even when I came into it, I was like, well, you got to be running the camera at all times. Well, how I combat that is, you know, I've got a floater camera that I walk into the stand with me so I can handheld it. I can, you know, wherever, right then, if we need to run and gun as we're walking into the stand. For as far as driving shots, and I'm going to let out some little secrets here. A lot of people don't like letting secrets out, but I'm going to I'm gonna say them. The driving shots, those aren't done live for me anyway. Those are midday when you're, you have some downtime and you're like, okay, let's go get some driving shots. And half the time, it's not even Chris or Casey driving the truck. <laughs> I, I well, I, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> yeah, so it's like uh, just Lee or I, somebody, let's go get some driving shots. You know, but the the reason why is because we don't want to, we don't want to take any time, any more, we don't want to take any more time away from their job and what they need to be doing and trying to get on a deer and kill a deer when we're trying to do our job. So if that just means we need to go out for an hour, if it's Lee and I, or, you know, Rich and I, or, or, or Kyle and I, or Adam and I, it doesn't matter. We need to go get some driving shots or, you know, something like that. That's what we need to do. Cause that's us doing our job and we're not taking away from them. Maybe you know, studying some maps, shooting their bow, making sure their gear is good, figuring out where we're going to hunt that night. So it's like that balance. But like when we're going into to the stand, I like to have that floater camera and I'm going to get shots of Casey live, but I'm not going to swing out and, and, you know, get away from as far. I'll sit back a little bit, you know, with a 16 to 35 lens and get a wide. And then I'll kind of catch up to him a little bit and say, Hey, let me go ahead of you a little bit. 
I need you to walk right at me. I'll get a couple of those shots, maybe for a couple of days, different scenarios, you know, in, in, uh, you know, sunny days and, and cloudy days, stuff like that, all different scenarios. So I know as an editor, I can use those on any day that I want. So I don't have to necessarily get those shots every day that we go on the stand because just like you said, Cooper is the scent is a big thing and we don't want to mess that up. And I know everybody's probably bummed now for hearing that, you know, we're, (laughs) we're, we're filming each other driving when it's really not the guys, but that's just the only way I can say is it's just like, I don't know. I just don't want to take time away from them when they're trying to get on a deer when we still need to be producing this show. So you kind of, there's a little bit of give and take and, and that's the best way I can combat that. But I agree with you. Like that is a tough part of it because when you get in the tree, I mean, everything kind of comes to you. You're there. I mean, the deer, you're waiting for the deer to come to you. You can get B-roll shots in there and all that stuff, but it's that extra stuff, you know, midday or I don't know. It's just that extra stuff that really brings the story and the show together that you really have to to pick out and figure out when you're going to shoot it and when it's going to be the most effective. Yeah, absolutely, man. I mean, like you said, I guess one thing that Justin has kind of not really said, but just emphasized on is basically always carry your camera. I mean, be ready for that shot, you know, and those are those shots that, that can help make that story in the end, you know, whether you don't harvest a deer after that day or whether you harvest it at the end of the season, you know, I mean, all those shots leading up to that point, I feel like have, have helped, have, have helped me edit, you know, whether it's a blog or a show in the end, you know, you just know what shots make that show. There's a purpose right. for every shot. There's a place for it. Well, and the other thing is too, you know, there is a purpose definitely, but it's and how you shoot too, like shoot everything in three different compositions, a tight, medium, and wide. You got to think of stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like there's a time for tights, there's a time for mediums, and there's tight time for wides. And, you know, let's say there's a deer coming through a field or the woods at you, you know, and, you know, as a, as a producer or a cameraman, now let's be clear too. I've said it before. There's a difference between a cameraman and a field producer. And we can break that down later, but there is. And and basically what a cameraman is, a guy that can just get up in the tree and press a cord and put the deer, put the camera on the deer. You're not really asking him to do much more than that. That's just basically what it is. Get a kill shot. But anyway, so without that, with that little rant gone there. uh So, you know, a deer's coming in, approaching the stand. And as what you're kind of taught is to be tighter on the deer. Well, if you know you have enough time before he's going to get to the stand, get a tight for 10 seconds, then pop out and get a wide. Try to get your hunter and the deer as he's coming in so you can have that wide shot. Yeah. And then same thing with a medium, kind of get a medium. And then when he gets in close and you know there's going to be a kill, because you can't recreate that. No. So get in tight once he gets there and, and get the moment of truth. And then you can go back and recreate. I try not to recreate at all. I don't like to recreate. I try to have enough cameras rolling at the right time to get everything live. I just think I think I owe that to the viewer. And, you know, a lot of people think that everything's recreated. Well, everything's not. I mean, there are some recreates, but I try to do everything live. Like, Well, that's the way it used to be done. Exactly. Because it was always a one-camera shoot. Yeah, right. And that's right, because they only had one camera. So yeah. it was always just get the kill shot, go backwards. Right. So now it's like, 
you know, we go in the we go in the field with at least three cameras every time, and those cameras are running live as a, a deer's coming in every time. I, I yeah. it just is. It's not just me. It's Lee. It's Adam. It's Kyle. Doesn't matter. I mean, we're all trained the same. So it's like, you know, we w- when you watch Rival Wild in our show, you know, the guys Chris or Casey or whoever's hunting has an angle they're looking at, and it stays stag- static. You know, it stays there. It's framed the same every time. And then you've got one that's tighter. Well, we're running, we're running two cameras on that. And then we'll usually have a wide, a bail shot, a wider, whether it's a GoPro or, you know, some sort of POV camera or something. But, it, you know, when the moment of truth, all those cameras are running because, like I said, I owe that to the viewer to try to get that in a live moment. And it just makes the hunt a lot better, you know, because you yeah. never know one of those wide shots could pick up the deer that's coming underneath you, but you're on a tight. So that's what I mean by bail shot is, you know, you're tight the whole time. And that's another thing too. If you do have cameras that are wide and everything that allows you to be on a tighter frame on a deer that's walking in. If you know your wide bail shot has the deer, you know, and the hunter over the shoulder in frame, you know, you, you can follow that deer with a tighter shot and maybe get more detailed stuff. So it's just, you know, if you have more cameras, run them. Yeah. And I, going backwards to something you said, like if you have time to roll a wide and, you know, push in tight, if he's coming from a hundred yards out, you know, you've got time to play all that stuff. But I always sit there like asking myself, should I roll the dice? Like, I like to play around with the with the rack focusing. Like, do I have do I have time yep. to execute <laughs> something else? Like, can I get this or am I gonna screw it up? Usually for me, it's like high risk, high reward, so I go for it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and there's times too, like in the rut, you're rattling a deer in, they come in hotter oh, yeah. and crap, and you can't get every camera running. But honestly, if 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 Casey's getting ready to to blind call. I'm running all the cameras right away. I'm yep. syncing them up, and then you know whatever happens happens from there. Yeah, that but was if, me this if year. But if a deer just catches you by surprise, there's nothing you can do about that. And I'm nope. sorry to the viewer, but you just can't. So you have to recreate whatever you can. But I can tell you, nine out of ten times, I'm getting everything live, and that's no lie. Yeah, I do the same. Kind of what I tried to get Cooper into this year is we we always had at least two cameras in the tree, and you know, I just see in his footage where he was working with Mike, I know he carried that over because there was times where even in a tree stand or sometimes it's even harder in a blind because you have to have tripods set up and that just takes up more space. But you killed Curly out of a blind and you killed, uh, I don't know what the deer's name was, but you killed that was just a random. Yeah. You killed that rando buck. Yeah. And that was out of a tree. So you had, you had two, two different setups on two different kills and i think you had it you had three cameras on both yeah i mean i definitely learned that from justin as well i mean the importance of a gopro i mean even if it's an older one i mean just having that different angle to show like you had mentioned maybe that deer coming beneath the stand while that target bucks out at 30 yards i mean all those extra angles just really help make that show i feel like in the end yeah it does and you know you're just talking about you guys killed one out of a ground blind and one in a tree I hate hunting. I I hate filming out of ground blinds. You know, there is not one good ground blind out there, you know, or box blind to film out of with an exception of probably a Primos double bull just because of the window setup. But I hate it because, and this, this might sound weird and, 
and random, but like I hate filming with a tripod, but I hate not filming with a tripod if that makes sense. Yeah, because you're you're almost forced to not use it. Well, and the thing is, in the back of your head, you're thinking too, like you know you want to have the tripod because you want the footage to be the best you can have it. But then the tripod limits you to your to your you're just there. You you can't you can only pan so far and you can't move it to the to one side of the blind or not or you know you might be doing a little bit of a dance move with the hunter in the blind and it's like geez op yeah. it's like it just sucks you just want to pull it off and go handheld but then it's like it's going to be you know not as good footage so it's like you got to find that that happy medium and what's the best way to film it and what's going to make it the best you know and and yeah. it sucks because you could be hunting a deer for three weeks and finally he shows up and the tripod could be the make or break if, you know, you make a noise or, you know, I it's just there's that fine line of just figuring out the happy medium. Yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I got a perfect example of that. On Mike's curly buck this year, I was out of a blind, and uh, we used a long lens. The deer is roughly about 200 yards away. And, you know, in the blind, you want to get that reaction right after the shot. Um, and we, with that long lens, we were obviously unable to do that. So I'm trying to get that kill shot, deer run, as well as a hunter reaction all at the same time. So I'm picking up my Sony off the floor to try to film that while getting the deer, you know. And I will say it is not easy. No, it's not. You know, and that's the thing, too. Like, a lot of the ground blinds or box blinds out there aren't big enough, really, for two guys and a camera. But what we've done and what we try to do is we have these little tripods, tripods called Benros. And basically they fold up into about, I don't know, about three inches in diameter and about 10 inches long, but they can go pretty high. I mean, it's not a tri it's, it's a tripod, but it's not one with like a fluid head on it. It's literally a camera you put on. So it stays uh, static and you can do time lapses and stuff like that. So what I'll do is I'll stick it between me and Casey and my SLR, I'll put it on that facing right at him with a 16 to 35 so you can get wide and that's how I usually run that but this year we've we've kind of and you guys will see as we you know go into the you know start airing on tv and in third quarter is we're starting to do a little more vlog style kind of stuff and it's not really hard or not really easy to do a vlog after you kill something and we don't really do that right after you kill something but I agree getting that initial reaction when you've got like a 7200 lens on your camera or 50 to 500 and to you know going from daylight outside the blind back to dark and trying to get your iris and your shutter back down to get some light in and it's just it's a debacle <laughs> it really is and it's like you're trying to make it the best you can and sometimes you just kind of got to take a step back and like all right we got to do that again you know yeah. and it's really hard to recreate like you guys know it's really hard to recreate the initial reaction <laughs> yeah that's you know just talking about setup real quick in the ground blind i'm kind of I, I don't even consider the tripod nine times out of ten. I'll run my DSLR because I have a flip screen on my 7DD so I can turn it around and frame everything up, pull focus, monitor my exposure as the sun rises or sets. But I run a 10 to 18 because my DSLR is 1.5 crop. So I run that oh, yeah. 10 really low, as low as the tripod can go, looking back up at us, centered, it gets the entire blind. I think it actually goes a little over 180 degrees. Like the, the lens picks up over 180 degrees. Wow. A and 10 then, to 18? Yeah. 
And what's it, what's the uh, f stop on that? Is that a four lens or is that a two eight or a? It's a two eight. It's a no. It's a four. I'm sorry. It's a okay. it's a Canon kit lens. It was like 140 bucks at Best Buy. So you're giving up some light with that four, that f four. A little bit, yeah. You're you're gaining it. You're gaining more in you know being able to get a 10 millimeter wide, really. Right, and you've got that DSLR quality with audio on a live second angle. That's out of the hunter's way. It's out of your way. And it just frees up enough space for you to set up a third angle if you want, like on a GoPro or any other POV camera. But, you know, I sold my AX1 this year, but, you know, it's a bigger camera. And I just started really locking that in. I would hold that right up to my eye almost, hold the LCD screen right in front of my eye because I found that, you know, plant your elbow into your hip and then just get that thing right against the side of your head. And anywhere you're going to look with your eye or your head's going to move, it's going there naturally because you're following the animal. So you're always going to be in frame. And you've got three points of contact. And a warp stabilizer can usually fix any little any little blip. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, warp, warp stabilizer is my friend. I oh, warp yeah. stabilize shots that are on tripods. That's how anal I am about it. And yeah. for everybody out there listening about a warp stabilizer, so when you're when you're editing footage and it's got like a little little bounce to it or a little jitter, you know, it's not as smooth as you want it to be. When you're in Adobe Premiere, which we our edit software, you can throw an effect on there. It's called a warp stabilizer, and it makes it smooth. Now, every shot, if you're if you're driving down a a train track with a <laughs> with a with a vehicle and you're freehanding in the vehicle and it's bouncing all over, you're not going to warp stabilize that, but the little bit of you know bumping and you're gonna you'll take care of that which it warp stabilizer can be your friend i like that yeah i will say that was definitely my best friend uh still is at this point but definitely when i was first starting at it yeah and it's something good to have and i'm glad that they started because they honestly haven't had warp stabilizer only for a couple years you know it hasn't been a thing when i first came into the industry and you know, was editing and stuff like that. They didn't really have warp stabilizer. I mean, I think if After Effects had it, I think, but like Premiere, you couldn't do it right within Premiere. Now you can. So I want to rewind for a second and kind of try to bring this to a close. So Cooper, six solid months from zero to buying your first camera, a mirrorless A7S II, and editing on totally foreign software, blog style and show style where are you going to take it from here i mean that's a great question i mean i wish i knew the answer but i hope up i mean it's it's it's, it's hard to say i mean because you got the show and the and the blogs which are semi-live so i feel like getting thrown into the fire was perfect i mean i had no choice really other than to go film my hunt put that blog out so i mean i feel like that has given me a a solid ground, I guess, as far as going to film hunts. I mean, you know the shots you need, and you know you know how that edit's going to go afterwards. So, I mean, as far as going from zero to ten, as far as new, absolutely new to the industry, I mean, I'd really like to continue. I mean, it's it's hard to put in words, honestly. I mean, I, I really like I I really like it. I mean, I had a I had a blast doing it, and I know I have a lot to learn, and I I plan on doing that. I mean, Justin, you can help me out with that. I hope. Yeah, I mean, from what you said, you don't plan on leaving Iowa, so. Yeah. <laughs> Too many big deer around here to leave. And you got to teach me a lot more. 
<laughs> Looks sounds like you're gonna have a guy on your couch for a while. <laughs> oh, he's, he's got his own room and everything. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> Look, next thing you know, he's gonna he's gonna have a girlfriend that's gonna stay with him. She's gonna have three dogs, so it's just gonna add add to the field of the fire. <laughs> I don't know, man. Like that's one thing that was out of Cooper's mind. I think the last six months. I think as long as he knows there's more work to be done, that he's gonna keep his head down. He was. He was doing that all season long, and uh, you know, Cooper. I will say one thing that really impressed me with what you did this year is that, for the most part, only had to show you how to do things one time. You always remembered menus in Premiere, or you learned your own camera very quickly. Once you learned those settings on the camera, like the zebra, the peaking, and just knowing your camera, you went from having to set up a shot in 10 minutes to 10 seconds. Yeah, I, I will say, I mean, it definitely took me maybe 10 minutes to get a good shot. You know, especially when you don't know. I mean, I was always thinking, oh, I'm doing something wrong, you know, whether I wasn't in focus or I was I was shooting too bright, you know. It, was, it goes back to trial and error. I mean, you, you see what you did and you remember how you had those settings on your camera and you you apply that to your to next hunt and every hunt after. I mean, it just kind of grows. I mean, it becomes like second nature, I want to say, I hope. <laughs> it really will because, you know, how you said it, it would take you 10 minutes to set up a good shot. You know, one of the big things to that I had overcome too is is once you do get that shot and once you, you know, you figure out what you want to shoot, it's holding that shot for at least four seconds. Yeah. You know, count 1-1,000, 2-1,000, 3-1,000, 4-1,000, you know, even 5 or 6-1,000 because as an editor, you're going to want at least – you know, four to six seconds for a shot, you know, because when you get, you know, guys, they get handheld and they start moving around. It's like, okay, I got that shot. Move to the next, move to the next, move to the next. And it's like, you get a lot of two, three second shots. I, I should go back and say, at least hold it for six seconds because at least you'll know you have the minimum that you want or, you know, I, I don't know. It's just one of those things that I, even I think of for, from day one till now, when I'm getting shots, I still hold it for six seconds. Like, Deer coming in, I want to get a tight for six. I'm going to come back for, you know, six, come back for six, you know, with a medium and a wide. Then I'm going to go back in it, and then I'm going to leave it. You know, unless the deer gets so tight on us where he's coming in underneath, it's going to be old to the shoulder. I'll go wide again and get the hunter in, get the deer in, you know, and it's just, it's all, you know, you just got to feel it out. But I guess that would be the biggest thing is just hold your shot for as long as you can. You know, and it's like six seconds when you're counting is a long time. <laughs> oh, yeah. It really feels like it. That's like I like to think of it as follow through. Like you want to set it up, you hit record, you get what you want, but don't stop recording. Like finish it out, get get what you need before, like the actual shot that you want, like lead into it, and then lead out of it. And I think that's something we actually went over on the canoe trip that first time out. I was just about to say, uh, that was one of the first things I think I learned. I mean, Justin and I went out to do some scouting, and uh, I came back with a bunch of three- or four-second clips and not even realizing it really. You know, you think you got that shot, but you don't know what the editor has to do on the other end to make that shot look good, you know. So it's definitely one of those things, I mean, just like Justin said, you know, wind up, get your shot, and follow through. You know, I just – it makes your life a lot easier when you're trying to edit that show afterwards. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, it sounds like you're on the right track, and, you know, I'm glad I get to sit down with you and, you know, all of us got to 
to have have about an hour and talk about this stuff because it's pretty cool. I like to hear about guys that are coming into the industry, especially guys like you that you know really didn't have any experience before and coming in doing this and and uh, starting to excel at it a little bit. And that's really cool. It's a it's a really really neat story. And you know I want I want to thank you for coming on and doing this. And I know Justin, he's probably thankful that you come on too but uh it was pretty cool you come on and do this and take the time i know you guys are getting ready to leave for salt lake tomorrow and i'm gonna be getting knocked out and having surgery so (laughs) (laughs) yeah we're gonna head out to the uh the western hunting expo out there and cooper had his taste of ata this year he got to go down to louisville for the ata show and i still had a tag to fill and stayed back but we were in utah in august cooper drew a mule deer tag and i went out to film that for a few days and here we are six months later going back hoping to to win a couple tags <laughs> there you go well hopefully you can find some guys down there that might want to do a quick podcast or something i know you guys are going to take the gear and stuff yeah and justin maybe you can sit down with a guy or two and and uh or gal and and talk some short podcasts maybe we'll see if we'll have something coming out of salt lake here in the next couple weeks and Maybe he'll bring some content for us. So, But, again, man, I want to thank you for coming on, and I appreciate it. And uh, I say we get this one wrapped up. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me, man. It was, uh, it was a blast. <laughs> First podcast in the books. And there it is, man, and another good one's in the books. And like I said, I said it before we started, and I'm going to say it again now. It's just a cool story, you know, for how he came up and, and didn't know shit about cameras. And now he's producing – content for tv shows and web shows and it's just it's sweet six months that's all it took and you know it just it's a a testament to his work ethic and and his teachers you and everybody else at midwest whitetail yeah it really you know i I don't want to take all the credit for that because there's an office full of people that you know helped shape six interns this year that we had so um like i said cooper's been a, a friend of mine for a while now and he was able to, to live with us here at the house for six months. And I had that 24 hour, you know, hands-on opportunity to, you know, to give him everything he he needed or help him with whatever came along, you know, throughout the course of the season here. But uh, like you said, the coolest part about it is that he was a hunter to begin with, but he never touched a camera before. And I think that's kind of what drives us all to want to pick up that camera is because it's like, we know there's got to be more to it or you watch that you watch the shows and you're like man that's got to be such a cool job whether you hunt or you film you're both in the same situation you know you don't got to pull the trigger to 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 feel the same success i guess is what i'm trying to say right uh, yep you know there comes a point you know in the evolution of any hunter i think to where you start to feel that like and you, you have to at least acknowledge it or recognize it in some way shape or form and you know cooper is just one of those guys who's He's grown up in hunting everything from squirrels and cottontails to mule deer and whitetail. He spent some time in Utah uh, before his folks moved back to Kansas last year, and now he's here in Iowa. And just, it's a cool story from you know zero to producer or from hunter to producer, I guess you could say. Yeah, it it, is, it was a great story, and I just kind of want to foreshadow, I guess, you know, some ideas you and I've been kicking around for some podcast and. That's literally like you and I taking listener submitted questions like we have been doing when the coffee call, but I think we're going to do one long form. You know, we've had yeah. a couple people reach out to us and want to know more about producing hunts and editing hunts. So 
I think we're going to do a couple here in the next couple months or weeks, you know, where we're literally breaking down how to produce your hunts and how we do it, the tips and tricks that we kind of do. I mean, I kind of let out a couple on this podcast, but there's a lot more that go along with it. And just things to make your life a little easier and, and try to get out the, the best product out there that you can get out. And I'm, I'm super excited about doing that, and I can't wait to do it. I think we should start rolling those out here the next couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, that's a really good topic. And, I mean, we both know that could that could be one three-hour conversation or that could be like a, a three-episode series on, on the different ways to do all that. But um, that's just a – that's a whole nother animal. So I'd really love to get into that. And, it is. You know, one thing you asked us that I didn't get a chance to answer with Cooper was, you know, what what we thought was the hardest part about producing a show from the field. And um, you know, I want to answer that now without getting too far into it. But for me, it's those trips where you're where you're just grinding it out for 10, 10 days, 12 days, or, you know, in your case, like with dropped where you're gone for 30 days at a time. And uh, you're dealing with challenges like, you know, solar chargers and tent life and just the the monotony of the kind of the slow parts of the hunt. You know, for me, it's the hardest part is knowing you like just it's the mental aspect of knowing you have to go out there and record, record, record every day because you never know when that kill is going to come. And, you know, if if your hunter wants to wear different pants than you wore yesterday, you know that just ruins everything you had from the day before. Like you can't use it over, but you got to realize that's a new day. This is a new part of the story. And it's like, you know, that gets into that stuff. Like you were saying about the difference between a cameraman and a field producer. Like you have to recognize that stuff. And we've talked about it in the past that you can power through any of that, that physical demand. Like we talked about with you in New Zealand and me in South Dakota. And it's, you know, you just, it's all mental. Like we said, and, if you can't overcome that mental demand, whether it's by pushing yourself another 20 steps or by maintaining your storyline, you're not going to make it. And that's for me, I admit it. I get into those situations where I just want to say whatever I already did that yesterday, but it's easy. Right. It's easy to do that and tell yourself, but then it's like, well, what if we kill today? Or what if that happens? You know, it's, if I don't have it, then, Number one, either I'm not getting paid or it's not going to look right. Exactly. So, again, I don't want to go too far yeah. down that rabbit hole, but I don't know. It's it's something I've, I struggled with a lot in the beginning, but just like you said, repetition, 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 and it just becomes another wave, you know, in the in the battle. You got you got to get through it for sure. You know, and that's that's all it is. Just just grind it out and. Keep your nose to the grindstone and things will come out good, you know, and just do what you're taught and, you know, think outside the box. That's all you really got to do. Yeah. Try to think outside the box and, and get your niche and 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 things will things will work for you, I'm, I'm telling you. Yeah. For everybody out there. They so, do. Well, cool, man. I'm going to wrap this one up. Let's uh, <laughs> let's let's cue the outro music and uh, <laughs> and wrap this one up. And I do want to let everybody know. You know, thank you from both of us. Say it every week for listening and downloading, and we really appreciate it. And uh, this Friday, we've got another coffee call, and it's going to be really sweet, and it's going to be a little different, and I can't wait for everybody to hear it. So make sure you listen to that one as well. So I guess this is us signing off, and 
Sure, yeah. We're going to get out of here. I'm Will Cooper, host of HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast. If you haven't already, download the free Waypoint TV app to listen to our podcast and watch the original films from HuntStand Presents anywhere, anytime, and on any device. I'm Will Cooper, and you're listening to HuntStand's Make Your Mark podcast on the Waypoint Podcast Network. Stick around as I bring you more stories and interviews from veteran hunters and industry professionals who inspire us all to be better equipped in the woods and in life.